Hi and hello watch fans and welcome to another edition of The Real Time Show with me, your friendly neighbourhood watchmaker Rob Nuds, Alan Ben-Joseph and David Vaucher. We are all back together again for another Audicle analysis episode in which we plan on digging into David's recent Audicle that focused very keenly on the Ralph Lauren brand. David, thanks for writing it. Why don't you give us a little bit of a recap of what it is that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah. Hey, Rob. Thanks for uh, the introduction. It's always a great day when I get to talk watches with you too. So uh, this is going to be this is going to be a fun one, and it's going to be a fun one uh, even more than usual because it's about a brand that I'm hugely passionate about, which is Ralph Lauren. And so what I did with this article was a little bit different than what I try and do usually. Uh, usually, you know, my name is the resident provocateur, so I'm trying to push some buttons be a little controversial. And that really wasn't the case here. Uh, I was just wanting to kind of ask some questions about uh, this particular effort that Ralph Lauren had done with respect to watches. And the reason I was doing that was because anyone that's listened to the show for a little bit of time knows that I don't really agree with the term fashion watch. I mean, granted, you know, there's not everything's great out there. So if you pick a large brand that doesn't usually make watches, uh, it's not always good, but it's not fair to say that it's uh, always terrible. And with the case of Ralph Lauren, they really came out swinging, like really came out swinging. And uh, they still sell the watches, but you don't really hear too much about it. And so I really just wanted to ask, well, first summarize what the watches were, how they came about, kind of go over the current state of where they are, and then also just sort of give some, what I thought was some advice or just some tips on what I would do if uh, if I wanted to kind of help the brand get a little bit more of a foothold. Thank you so much, uh... For that, David, I actually enjoyed the episode. We are recording this literally a day after it aired. I always listen to your articles. I don't read them. So it was super cool. Um, maybe a quick summary of all my feedback quickly to yours. So I'm a huge Ralph Lauren fan as well. I think we've discussed that on a previous episode where we did a product review of the watch where, which you refer to. Um, always wear polo Ralph Lauren polo t-shirts. Um, don't have a watch. Never really had the ambition to buy one. Do appreciate what they do. Uh, a few things. Uh, you rightfully said so that Ralph Lauren is a big watch collector. I think he's one of the important watch collectors, especially historic pieces. He does that both for automobiles and watches. So it's very logical he started making watches. It's the perpetual discussion of what do fashion houses need to do. Is a watch an accessory? So do you price it at a entry level? Whereas let's say shoes are maybe not the most expensive thing they produce or perfume or makeup or whatever, sunglasses or do they say, hey, we're the best in fashion and therefore every product we make needs to be the best in that category? So that that is an interesting discussion. Um, what is also very interesting, what you said about the name on the dial. So a lot of fashion houses have different labels, right? You refer to Polo Ralph Lauren, Double RL, you have that uh, sport label with an X. I always forget what it is, RLX or whatever it is. Uh, purple label. I don't think they ever had a black label, did they, David? So they, they did, it was phased out. And purple labels, now they're high-end. High -end yeah, yeah and, 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 and I think the danger lies in that, that in Dutch we have a saying, because of uh, uh, 
all the trees, you don't see the forest anymore, you get lost. I mean, how many labels can you have for one, one designer or brand or sub-labels? Because you said, hey, I would make this particular watch model and double RL. But then I'm like, what does the double RL even represent in the Ralph Lauren universe? So, so that is confusing. And with the watches, it's so basically they have two names on the dial, as you rightfully said. So the, the polo on the dial, the ones with the bears, and then the regular Ralph Lauren on there. And my worry was from day one when Ralph Lauren announced that they are making high-end watches, so not just cheap quartz fashion watches made in Asia, is the joint venture with Richemont. You rightfully refer to the friendship between the majority shareholder of Richemont, Johan de Rupert, and Mr. Ralph Lauren himself, um, out of mutual respect for each other and uh, the pursuit of luxury, they formed a joint venture, which was the Ralph Lauren Watches and Jewelry Company. Um, that joint venture ended amicably after a decade. So I believe that was in 2018. Um, but apparently they do have access to the calibers made by Maisons within the Richemont uh, umbrella of brands. So the vibe I get is they're a bit all over the place. And, and that's, that's my, my summary. And one comment I also wanted to add to yours was if you were a CEO, and I, I suggest we maybe play that game, all three of us today, what if we were the CEO of the either Total Ralph Lauren brand or just the watches and jewelry division, is you would take it mono brand only strategy, so sell the watches. But I believe that happened already more than eight years ago. So those were my initial responses to your actually lovely article. No, I, I think, Alan, you, you nailed pretty much everything I wrote about. And one thing I was going to lead off with, which you sort of touched on, but I'll ask you, Rob, was what were you, I mean, so Rob, you, you've seen the Vintage 67 and you were really impressed with it. So my question, and that came out in 2022. So keeping in mind that the partnership with Richemont, I think started in, but 2007 was what I found. Had you heard of Ralph Lauren watches before, A? And B, if you had, did you have any kind of opinion on them at all, positive or negative, prior to seeing that Vintage 67? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked me a question, a direct question, because it's a, it's a sprawling topic, and there's quite a lot that we can talk about. But I think what I'd like to try to avoid is just talking about things or around things, shall I say, and really try and scythe in on certain points. So to answer this this nicely pointed question, yeah, of course I'd heard of Ralph Lauren. I uh, I'd probably had the the wooden bezels watches in hand more than the more accessory oriented stuff at that time. And I knew that the wooden bezel watches were powered by decent movements. And that the other stuff was really just a throwaway accessory. The Vintage 67 added yet another wrinkle to an already complex situation or a complex portfolio to wrap one's head around because previously the two types of Ralph Lauren watch had been at odds, not working in, in, in symbionts to achieve a positive goal. I think they actually were 
a detriment to one another. I think that by both existing so far apart with no real rationale to that diversity made it very difficult to get on board with what either one of those product lines would have been able to do alone. And I think both lines have a place. I prefer the higher end stuff because I think it's more valuable and has more horological integrity. I think that the designs with the wooden bezels are, are weird. They're of a time. It's kind of a like a walnut Jaguar dashboard. I feel like it's extremely late 90s, early 2000s mark of success. That watch, that Ralph Lauren, I'm sure I've said it many times before. I don't know if I've said it on the real-time show, but I'm sure that it's like Aspen in a watch. It's like a white cable knit sweater and an open fire and apriski and not much else. And then you've got the accessories which are kind of crass in your face like weekend at mommy and daddy's yacht house accessories and uh i don't find those ones as interesting i like the teddy bear ones they're okay but they're a bit more of a novelty the 67 did change things because it provided the bridge between the two in terms of price point and also in terms of horological quality and it just happened to be in my opinion the most advanced achievement aesthetically you know, I think it's funny that you use those terms to describe some of these things like, you know, weekend at mummies and daddies, because like, whether you like it or not, when you see something from Ralph Lauren, your your mind pictures something. I think that's the great strength of the brand. And as I was thinking of some of the topics that I wanted to touch on in this, in this uh, auditory reaction episode was, you know, as a watch community, A, we always, well, the community instinctively tends to say, well, this is not a watch brand, so forget that. But then on the other hand, you know, everyone's always saying, oh, I wish some more established brands would try something a little more daring with respect to design. And that's exactly what you get with Ralph Lauren is, is like daring design that does evoke something. And still that wasn't enough. So I wanted to see what you both thought of, of that aspect, kind of like the fact that there is a, there is a very specific design style with Ralph Lauren and still that wasn't enough. It's not me saying it's not enough for me. Like, I wasn't deriding it. I was, I mean, yeah, I, I think Ralph Lauren's one of the most effective brands in the world. That is without question. Does it conjure a certain image? Yeah, it does. Is one of those images aspirational and something I would like to see in my own life? Yeah. Is the other one, like, a bunch of dickheads, like, drinking out of a keg? Also, yeah. Like, you know, there's different things. When I think of the Polo Vintage 67, I think of the... Canadian tuxedo Ralph Lauren, you know, with the full denim shirt, jeans, brown leather belt, big cowboy boots, cowboy hat, sort of one foot on a fence looking out over the ranch and the emp- the cattle empire that he's built. It makes me think of something. It makes me feel something. It makes me connected to um, a rosy tinted era of Americana. And that's a great achievement. I'm not denying that. What I'm saying is as a brand, the product's were too disparate to communicate that entire Ralph Lauren universe. And they seemed like two different brands within one brand, which is kind of why they have all these sub-labels doing this, that, and the other. Is it a problem? I don't know. Uh, obviously, commercially it was, I guess, because I see the story working. I see the each individual watch working and fulfilling a particular part of that brand. But, I mean, you said it yourself. It still wasn't enough. That's not for me to say that I think the watch is a shit and shouldn't exist. I do not think that at all especially not with the Vintage 67. And I certainly see the value in the older, higher-end stuff. 
But I mean, there was a problem there for a watch brand and a fashion house to, you know, communicate the same breadth of appeal with the same products. That's what I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no. And I certainly didn't take it as, as you personally not liking it. I, I think it was more just the commentary on, they do have a design language, which does, I mean, even if people didn't buy them in the community, you know, you'd at least expect like a comment, like I like it or I don't. And it just kind of fizzled, right? So I don't know, Alon, maybe you have some some thoughts on on the design language specifically and, and how it may or may not have connected. I believe Rob and I discussed this in the review episode of the 67. And Ralph definitely created its own design language for its watches. And both for the high-end pieces and also for the their today entry level around the 2000s, so let's call it the Bear Collection. Even that case is indeed special. And you see, and you mentioned that in your article, it has a watch pedigree. And you understand this comes from collectors giving the guidelines for the design. Now, my favorite is the RL867, so the square one. You definitely see the the love for Art Deco. You see that there is love for first Cartier watches and 1920s, 30s, Jejalakulta, for example, or rectangular watches, but they did make it contemporary. So you see that they have the pedigree, you see they have the quality, and you see that they have originality in their designs. So on that topic, I agree with you. What I also uh, forgot to say that I concur with you, David, is it's strange that they stuck too long in the 45 millimeter cases. So I agree with that, but um, you see that some of the models were now reduced to 39 if the caliber permits it. So it's definitely interesting. But if you want to elevate this discussion to a discussion about fashion houses making watches, then is Ralph Lauren a contender? In my humble opinion, yes. And then that begs the question, who does it best? I think that Chanel and Hermes take the lead, but with Jean Arnaud now at the helm of LV, Louis Vuitton watchmaking, they're getting there. But still, I think that for me, Hermes wins because they are the most creative on both design of watches and calibers. But I love what Chanel does. They have a, it seems a long-term vision, and they are executing. So that's cool. Now, you also addressed Weiko in your article, and it was funny. On the day that we launched the article episode on our platforms, that afternoon, the rake, which is part of Weiko's medium empire, media empire uh they launched a collab with ralph lauren with the snowboard bear so i found that um ironic and cool because a lot of kudos goes to waco a he's a huge fan of ralph lauren and his fashion and his works but for me he is the market maker for watches ralph lauren watches so you, you you refer to the Negroni bear. 
Uh, but he, they made a lot of collabs, and his passion for the man, the brand, and therefore the watches really put it on the map for me as a watch nerd. So that's kudos to him. Uh, you referred also to Guillaume Tetu. After hearing your article, we had a discussion in the real-time show network. Um, I said I would invite him to come on. And whenever we say something, we always do. So I called him. He would love to, but Ralph Lauren corporate policy is only Mr. Ralph Lauren and the CEO are allowed to do uh, media appearances. So he declined our request friendly and regrettable. You know, so many things you touched on. I will say, because I talked about this in the article, uh, the Snow Beach parka, if you didn't know, uh, I would recommend that everyone just, well, everyone with an interest in menswear, go look it up because um, it, there's a whole subculture of Ralph Lauren. And uh, last thing I'll say on this, on that particular topic is that uh, like Wu-Tang, polo is forever. So that's your clue. Uh, I think now, because we're, I think maybe moving into the tail end of the episode, maybe we can get crazy. And the reason I say that is because uh, it turns out that Ralph Lauren is absolutely uh, rumored occasionally, so this comes up every so often, as being a takeover target for LVMH, right? Or an acquisition target for LVMH. So if that were to happen, like imagine the resources that Polo Watches might have under someone like Jean Arnaud. So if that were the case, what would the game plan be? And I'll just quickly say my game plan would be uh, market like crazy. Just get people comfortable with the idea of Ralph Lauren watches. That's first. Second, maybe look to some proprietary caliber to really build the credibility and maybe a made in America one, right? So I don't know if you could partner with, you know, Roland Murphy. I don't know what their capacity is, but they seem to have uh, sort of the the product catalog currently to deliver on something like that, even in a small batch. And then maybe afterwards, you know, establish the first, you know, standalone U.S. manufacturer in, you know, who knows, over 100 years since the, you know, early 20th century. So that would be kind of my very high-level game plan with unlimited funds. And Alan, I know you love talking LVMH. You got your hand up. You raised a topic about there is a whole subculture about Ralph Lauren. Go look it up. So that's interesting. I want to talk briefly about that. I know you 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 threw the mic to me, David, about something else, about LV, but let's park that for one sec if you don't mind. So where do I go about and find out about Ralph Lauren subcultures? And I guess you mostly mean in the fashion segment of things. But before you do so, what my biggest problem is as a watch nerd, to find Ralph Lauren watches is such a hassle. You need to go to ralphlauren.com. Then you're like, okay, where do I go now? So you go to men, submenu accessories, and then you have... 12 options in a small font and then you need to find the word watches and then my website wasn't loading properly and then they mix all the watches priced high, low, they have straps in between watches. So it's not a luxury experience. So if I was the CEO, that is something I would have changed first thing first. So sorry about that. Tell us, school us where we can find out why Ralph Lauren is like Wu-Tang forever. Totally agree. No, I think that that is, I guess I'm sort of thinking, or I'm going, I'm on the the sort of go nuts, 
high level strategic thinking, you're very much on the, you know, the, well, you're the retailer, you work in the business, right? And I am someone who knows and loves Ralph Lauren. So I didn't think twice about, okay, I got to go accessories, click watches, et cetera, et cetera. But for someone who just was trying to discover the, the watches specifically, yeah, I could see it being very difficult and everything's very mixed up and the accessories are with the watches. So I completely agree. Uh, if, if somehow Jean or were coming in and making those changes, I'd say, you know, do that first for sure. I'll pick up that baton about LV. So let me daydream. What would have happened if LVMH takes the publicly listed Ralph Lauren Corporation off the stock exchange like they did with Tiffany & Co.? Would they be able to add value more than it's done now? So I've did a lot of case studies about Tiffany and my conclusion was that they will add value because they paid premium, premium, premium LVMH for Tiffany. So by taking Ralph Lauren off the stock exchange, they will have to pay a premium as well. So that analogy will fly. Now, could they create more value? I think that they will because if... I hope Mr. Ralph Lauren will make it to 120 and longer. But the day that he leaves this physical world to another world, I think the stock will plummet. Because as far as I know, he doesn't have an apprentice, a right hand or a left hand, or children that are as gifted as he are creatively. I'm not talking about management skills. So that is the biggest danger of fashion brands, in my humble opinion. Um, not saying that Jean Arnaud or any of the five Arnaud children um, are creative in design aspects, but they're very good managers and they are good. And I use the metaphor of jewelers. They know how to spot rough jewels, rough diamonds. And that can turn into shimmering, brilliant diamond. I think that they're going to be able to find somebody to replace Ralph Lauren when eventually he does pop his clogs. And I hope he's around for a long time. But it's uh, it changes the brand. Absolutely, you're right. The direction uh, of the man himself for all these years has been so laudable and so, so example-setting that it's hard to imagine it being the same thing without him because it won't be. I mean, when Karl Lagerfeld died, I don't know if the stock experienced a huge drop. The brand certainly experienced a huge rush in attention. And it changed from being a brand led by the eponymous hero to being a legacy brand dedicated almost to their memory. And I think you can find designers that well enough understand the different arms of Ralph Lauren and the stories they're trying to communicate to fill the gap of Ralph Lauren's own designs. I mean, David could probably walk into a job where he could be a creative director for a certain part of the Ralph Lauren culture fabric already. So I don't know about that. I, I, I think it's, it's fair enough to say, I personally think that the changing of perception has to be product focused more than anything else, because we've seen that with the two brands that you pointed to very rightly as well, I might add, Chanel and Hermes, how they weathered the criticism and rebuilt their collection patiently with real vision with storytelling at every level with ideas that weren't just movement based and weren't just aesthetic based but also like 
totally encompassing of everything the brand wanted to do. And they just kind of got their head down and they plugged away with it and they rode out the storm. And now I think that they're in a position where they can say, go to our catalogue, go to our collection, go to any of our boutiques and have a look at it. You will see the brand in everything that we do. And I think Ralph Lauren needs to decide which of its many brands it wants to be. And I would say go for the high-end stuff. I love the stirrup. I love the Vintage 67. I'd make it that and I'd throw everything at that aspect. Thank you for that. Very interesting. And you know, guys, while we're chatting, what comes to mind is Mr. Giorgio Armani. Also, not the youngest anymore. Fantastic guy. Zillion sub-labels for his umbrella brand, Armani. Kicked off with a very successful watch launch. I'm talking about, let's say, something 98. So if you guys remember, rectangular watch made by the Fossil Group. It's a license to Fossil. Uh, rectangular, salmon dial, brown strap, 199 guilders back in the day. I'm talking less than 100 euros. Now, he opted for watches to be accessories. So he put them in the category of sunglasses and shoes, right? Total opposite side of the spectrum of luxury let's say, for watches. Now, I don't think Ralph Lauren made a lot of mistakes in their watch strategy, especially the last decade or 15 years. I think Armani did. So I I think that Michael Kors and Armani both licensed the fossil. In the end, made more money in turnover and EBIT than all these high-end brands that made very expensive watches. But Recently, I don't know if you guys remember, or a year ago, there was an announcement that Parmigiani Fleurier was making watches for Armani. Oh, I do, I do remember that actually, and I remember you also sent us like one flyer for the previous round of luxury Armani watches. So, yes, I do, and I remember being impressed. And we haven't heard anything since, so maybe that's a trend. Exactly, and that's my point. I remember Gerard Pelgrin made something for Zenia. So all these half-ass attempts are very dangerous because, in my opinion, they damage your brand. And therefore, kudos to Chanel, Hermes, and also now Louis Vuitton because they seem to have a very long-term strategy and they stick to it. Now, maybe while we're on topic, I would love to hear David's opinion, or this could be already an outro question because we promised to keep it short this time. Maybe this is an invitation for David to write the next article, since you love fashion houses so much. What the F is Gucci doing? So, Gucci was maybe the first ever fashion brand to make, and I say this in brackets, luxury watches back in the early 70s already. They were super, super famous for their G-Watch, Bamboo Watch. We sold kilos of them. And back in the day, they were not cheap. So it wasn't on the price point that Armani entered the watch market. But I'm not talking about Hotel Logerie Patek Philippe level back in the day in the 70s, okay? Now, they lost their mojo after about two decades. And especially after Tom Ford left, they had an issue. And then I even forgot the last designer who came and went very quickly. And it seems that Gucci rides the wave of success and trends with their designers. And now 
they're back. And, and I was surprised how many GPHG nominations they got. Whereas it was all these crazy gem set things. Whereas I hope they would have featured the 25H watch, which is a bit of a Gerald Genta-ish integrated bracelet-ish vibe. Interesting watch. And they relaunched their watch strategy to be on the high-end side of things and even manufacturer side of things, which is very ambitious. So would both of you maybe want to jump into that or just give it a little intro and park it for a next article? Do with it whatever you like, gents. I would say park it because clearly this is a much larger topic. Um, I think to your point, Alan, actually, it's funny you mentioned Gucci because I was browsing their website yesterday. Uh, they have a, a guiche watch that I really like. It's quartz, but I like the look of it. And it was a mix of like, yeah, I'd definitely buy this and a mix of like, yeah, no way. Wouldn't give this a second look. So I think what we've kind of concluded for now is that, you know, like with everything, fashion watches can be great, but it can be very spotty as well. I don't know, Rob, any, any different thoughts? No, I agree. It certainly is spotty, but I don't believe that it has to be. I think that there are extremely tight, well-curated brands lurking within these scattershot collections already. I think there's too much bleeding out around the edges. Like I think it can all be trimmed back and uh, pruned to perfection. I mean, if I were looking through the Ralph Lauren catalog now, I can give you four model lines that I would keep in existence. I mean, the Stirrup, the Vintage 67, the RL867, the square one that Alon likes, and the... Uh, the driving models, the automotive collection, the classic Aspen esque. Um, Burl, what is it? What is it called? Briarwood? Is it? Is it Briarwood? I always forget. I think it's. I think it's Burlwood. Actually, is what Burlwood. Burlwood bezel. Okay, yeah. I always think I'm getting that wrong for some reason. The Burlwood bezel, and I would, I would slash that collection as well. I'd get rid of the huddled chronograph dials. Stick with the time only ones on that. I think keep the price point more reasonable. Homogenize the movements in there supplier have something done proprietary aesthetically so they have a certain look to them that it is at least consistent and there i would say you have it you have a much more concise collection i don't think that watches are ever going to be the main profit driver or even revenue driver for a brand like ralph Lauren, and so i don't see the need to have so many i think it's a bit of like a big net strategy shall we say that i think lets down an arm of a business that could otherwise be a real asset and uh, elevate also the other goods, leather goods, soft goods, all the soft goods, you know, I think it could have that positive knock-on effect. So, um, yeah, uh, the other brands we were discussing, Gucci, I agree entirely with the 25H. Uh, that's a really interesting design, the automatic versions of it, or the mechanical versions as well, should I say, are really, really, really nice. And uh, valuable inclusions in the watch landscape. The quartz one's less so, but the design is still pretty cool, and it's you know it's got the classic repeating G logo on it, so no problem there. The weird thing about Gucci is the ultra high end stuff that they do with these quiver, quivering bees on the dial that just sort of like vibrate. They look terrified. I mean, you look at look at your wrist, and it looks like a you know a, a horrified cinema audience watching. Uh, a slasher horror movie like all the bees are just quaking in their boots really really weird and then you have these incredible bejeweled tourbillons and 
I, I know from the votes that we ran within the group regarding the GPHG entries, of which that Gucci Tourbillon was one, that a couple of people in our own network voted for that as the winner in its category. So it can't be completely universally off-putting, but it's just a bit a bit out there for a brand that I don't think is anywhere near where it needs to be in creating a piece of such horological ambition. If Hermes did that in two or three years' time, I'd maybe be okay with it. I'd maybe say, okay, I understand why you're trying to do this. But for them, that's too much too fast. Alan? We found our next topic for Gucci. So good luck, David, on that one. I'm very curious what you come back with. Now, to our dear listeners, if you want to already shoot some uh, feedback about Gucci, feel welcome. I wanted, We love games on the real-time show, so I wanted to maybe play a game both with the two of you now on the show and then prolong it with our listeners in the real-time show network is a shotgun gun game, a shotgun game. Meaning, I put a gun to your head, you need to reply without thinking. If I say you are going out to buy sunglasses, what instinctively would you buy first? A brand that solely makes sunglasses, talking about Ray-Ban Persol, or would you go for the fashion houses? So would you buy a, a Chanel, Bulgari, uh, Tom Ford glasses? David. Yeah, uh, I see where you're going with this. And actually, I do the sunglass only. Last pair I got was a pair of uh, Randolph Aviators. Yeah, I'm a Muscat man, so I go for the specialists. Interesting. And therefore, I prolong that game also to, let's say, perfume. David, again, your game. You love perfume. Will you go for a real perfume maison or will you go for the fashion houses again? Ooh, uh, good question. Uh, I will go for the fashion houses only because... Even though I live near Paris, the niche stuff is hard to get to. So it's a distribution problem. But uh, I would still, you know, just opt for the, the fashion houses first. I have limited options because um, I have to be careful about what people around me may or may not be allergic to. So I tend to just stick very limited to the stuff that I know is tried and tested and won't cause anyone to break out in a rash. But if I had a choice, I don't attach the same importance to it uh, because I'm maybe not a perfumier, but... I guess I buy fashion houses, although I would buy a specialist perfume maker if I knew one. Interesting, isn't it, chaps? Last one, and then we'll wrap it up, um, which is a hybrid one, and I'm turning it upside down, so 180 degrees. Mont Blanc. So is it fair that people <laughs> keep on saying, eh, Mont Blanc watches is a pen brand? Yeah, kind of fair, actually, in my opinion. Um, sorry to jump in on this one, but I would buy a Montblanc pen. I would maybe even buy a Montblanc uh, leather bag. I like the one that you carry around at fairs very much. Really, really tight, nice. I don't know what it is. Maybe Safiano leather. Right. I only like clocked it from the side. It's beautiful. Um, but I wouldn't buy a Montblanc watch. No, nowhere near actually buying a Montblanc watch. Firstly, I don't really like the designs that much, and I and that's someone who is a sucker for Minerva movements. But um, no, it's just. There's too many other good options. And I, I guess, look, you remember my reaction to the Vintage 67 from Ralph Lauren. It confused me. It hurt me. Because I was like, I know what I buy from Ralph Lauren. I have a ton of Ralph Lauren polo shirts. You know, I would buy a Weekender bag. I would buy a Gilet, for God's sake. You know, that was comfortable for me. And then there's a watch. And I'm like, you know, 2,000 quid these days. That goes a long way for other small micro brands. Like, you can buy a Straum for less. Like, Okay, if I didn't already have several Straums, I wouldn't buy the Vintage 67 before that Straum. But there's real competition. 
you could buy a Hamilton Intramatic for the same price. That's a proper decent watch. Incredible value for money. So the fact that I was so obsessed with the Vintage 67 and remain so obsessed with the 67, and also, I must add, have absolutely no idea what I would do to it if Ralph Lauren were to give me the chance to change it. I have to give it full props and respect and say, you know, that's uh, that's an item that is so well done, it can maybe even transcend all of the nonsense around it. Yeah, I'll just add really quickly, uh, Mont Blanc, I, I own their writing instruments, I own the Mont Blanc pens, uh, perfume I own, uh, I own the leather goods. I definitely could see myself buying a watch. So I guess to me, uh, what I take from that is that brands that don't necessarily do one thing can do another, provided that they do them properly and then just market them properly as well. I guess that's a good point, David. Like, yeah, you can do whatever you want as long as you do it well. And I think perhaps some of the problem with like my issue with the Ralph Lauren collection is is not the not anything to do with the Vintage 67. That's quite the opposite. It's everything else doesn't quite live up to that standard. And it doesn't live up to the standard of the other areas of excellence that they've achieved. Like Mont Blanc yeah. has got extreme competence across the board. Uh, I feel this watches are a little bit below the level of co- the relative level to, of competence, let's say, than the leather goods or the pens. That's my personal opinion. I think it's probably more of an aesthetic subjectivity than it is anything else, if I'm being quite frank. But that's a good way to put it. Yeah, do what you want as long as you do it well. Bonus question, and maybe you don't even need to answer, as it could be another article. I'm in the mood, as you guys see. <laughs> I'm in the swing of things. I love these <laughs> games. I post a lot of polls in the Real Time Show Network. Should Mont Blanc kill the Minerva brand and absorb it and just not talk about Minerva caliber or not? Because I believe that's a discussion and I believe the current CEO even raised that topic or even expressed the ambition to do so. So do you guys want to answer or do you want to leave it for an article and let our community answer all these four questions that I posed? I'll just say I have no data, but my hypothesis, I would, I would, if you asked me to, I would make the case for yes, they should absorb it. I have quite strong feelings about the mishandling of the branding of Minerva pieces and how it integrates with the Mont Blanc brand. I wouldn't want to see the Minerva history lost. I'd sooner lose Mont Blanc uh, as a watch brand. So if you want me to provide a harsh, uh, <laughs> Counterpoint, I'll say this, discontinue the Mont Blanc brand of watches and put Minerva front and center instead and uh, give it a slightly better logo. (laughs) And although I don't have the image of being the most reasonable stuck in the middle, maybe I am in this uh, hypothesis, I think that Mont Blanc should keep making up to uh, two, three, four thousand watches under the Mont Blanc label with bought-in calibers. And they should spin Minerva off and make it a Richemont Maison and make amazing watches. Something that the Arnauds understood properly with Daniel Roth and Joe Genta, which Jean Arnaud pulled to him. And they spun it off Bulgari because they were also making a mishmash of these two brands and didn't know how to handle it. So I would recommend Richemont to follow that strategy. Yeah, I like that one. I think that's a good one. I think that summarizes it nicely. That's something they could do. And uh, good example. All right, chaps, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you for your thoughts, extending this conversation again. It's kind of a 
endless rabbit hole, isn't it? Once we stumble into it, we can just go on and on for ages, going in slightly little tangents and ever decreasing circles of specificity. But as it is, interesting topics discussed and some new ones raised. We'll get back to those articles that, well, David will get back to writing them as soon as he possibly can, and then we'll be able to chew those over on air as well. If you'd like to take part in the audible process or any part of the show then get in touch via our new dedicated instagram handle at the realtime.show via the contact form on the website www.therealtime.show or via email either rob or alon at the realtime.show you can find us personally on instagram at either r-o-b-n-u-d-d-s for rob nuds a-l-o-n-b-e-n-j-o-s-e-p-h for alan ben joseph or d-a-v-a-u-c-h-e-r for david voshe We'll be back soon with more high-quality watch content. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking.